Content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren, I'm musically challenged. You're way more excited than you should be for this one. Because this is the last one we're doing for a little bit. Thank fucking Christ. So I'm allowing myself to feel some joy before we watch this episode. And then I can be sad and upset. But I won't have to deal with the fourth episode for a while. But doom boom boom boom. Yeah, thank God Jingle Jangle came out so that we can do it after this one. Because, <laughs> yeah, folks, next week is Jingle Jangle. Yeah, it's like a palate cleanser for our eyes and earballs. God damn. <sighs> we're. And that's right, I said earballs. That was not a mistake. Yeah, the. We're gonna be doing Land Before Time 3, The Time of the Great Giving. Because tomorrow's Thanksgiving for those of you listening on the day of release, a.k.a. another day that we sit here and whitewash history and say, we all sat down and ate dinner together and not mention smallpox and all the genocide. And I'm sorry, I'm grumpy. Manifest destiny. (laughs) I'm so grumpy. But, you know, I mean, this is still like... Even if this wasn't a Thanksgiving Land Before Time movie, which I can't believe I'm saying this, it still is tangential because dinosaurs, turkeys, yada yada. <laughs> I wonder what Brontosaurus tastes like. Um, probably closer to crocodile than chicken. So does that mean T-Rex would taste more like chicken? Probably. Or T-Rex, or they could taste more like duck. Because they'd probably be one that you could undercook rather than overcook. After the episode is over, leave your comments about which dinosaur you think would be the best to eat. Mm, Um, Dinosaur. Anyway. (laughs) So what's the name of this episode again? Uh, The Land Before Time. The Time of the Great Giving. Great Giving. I mean, as people know, getting is great, but giving is also very nice. It is, but not with this... So, like I said, this is going to feel like a crappy Thanksgiving movie, even though, it is. <laughs> yeah, even though it was released after Thanksgiving. It was re- released December twelfth, nineteen ninety-five. Growing up, <gasps> because it works, it works in between because giving, but also like presents giving, like Christmas. Yeah, so you see, it, it came in the middle, giggity, because it could <laughs> occupy either. So they're trying to shoehorn it in to occupy both. They're trying to doubled the potential to capitalize on holiday movie musical things. This was before Christmas started encroaching on all the other holidays. Mm -hmm. Before Santa started shoving his ass into the Mm -hmm. summertime. Mm -hmm. Get ready for the biggest commercial holiday season of the year! (laughs) Be sure to put your credit cards in excessive debt that you'll pay off until next Christmas! (laughs) PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X release this year. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and 
Cubs have been working overtime to meet demands. Ho, 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 ho. You can finance it now through Santa's Happy Jolly card available with Chase Bank. Ho, 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 now, did Santa bring you expensive gifts? Because Santa wasn't the one who brought me expensive gifts. No. Because uh, I remember as a kid, um, there would be a mixture of gifts from mom and dad mm-hmm. and a mixture of gifts from Santa. Yeah. So often what my parents would do is if I got like clothing or something like that, that would be a gift from the parents. And mm-hmm. then if I got a toy, that would be a gift from Santa. You know, my... Mm-hmm. my uh, my Transformers and my Ninja Turtles and mm-hmm. stuff like that would be toys from Santa. And then my socks and underwear and stuff would be from Mom and Dad. Santa and the Tooth Fairy both did, like, littlest pet shop things. The Tooth Fairy was the smaller ones. Santa was the bigger ones. But those, you know, weren't very expensive at the time. Uh... I remember one year, uh, the Easter Bunny mm-hmm. was trying to encroach in on Santa's territory. And one year for Easter, I got a Nerf bow and arrow. Yeah, Easter and... Bunny did encroach on santa with me too see that only happened once though i'm pretty sure he got his uh his bell <laughs> rung you know by the fat man who was like don't you encroach on my gift giving season you little fucking vermin <laughs> stick to candied eggs and chocolate <laughs> oh man i'm putting this off uh, <laughs> so if you can't tell this growing up even was my least favorite one of all of them? Well, before or just... Secret of Saurus Rock was released. <laughs> that one was fucking stupid. What number is that? That one is five. Okay, so we... We're on our way. <sighs> Not that It's either far five away. or six. I'm trying to remember because... No, it's six because five is Mysterious Island. And you said it's Secret of Saurus Rock? Secret of Saurus Rock. So it's about sodomy. Secret of Saurus Rock. It's the rock that they all go to and... I mean, he is the lone dinosaur. Which, again... Well, I mean, I guess they only have one hole, so... (laughs) Call it the secret of sore hole rock. (laughs) You know, sex jokes in a children's show. Here's the thing, though, about this one. New York Post rated the movies and put this at the number two spot. They probably got a kickback. Oh, wait, you said New York Post? Yeah. Yeah, New York Post is trash, so that does but, not surprise like, me. But, like, it does make me wonder, is this better than I remember it? Probably not, but we'll get into the other reason that I'm going, like, am I misremembering this one? Is this one not hot flaming garbage? It probably is, but... So, our cast returns for this movie from the last one, pretty much unchanged. There are a few additions, but they're only for this movie. New characters! Um, There's no James Horner at all in this, and our songs are written by Michelle Berman and Amanda McBroom. So now we know who to track down. Exactly. However, (laughs) this is the thing that made me go, this, maybe this is deeper, um... One of the songs that the bullies sing is cited in a book called Welcome to the Desert of the Real by Slovenian Marxist philosopher Slavov Zizek. Welcome to the desert. Zizek. We've got fun and games. (laughs) We've Um. got sinking sand in. All of our games are lame. (laughs) So, um, let's see, where was I? Sorry. Um, (laughs) So he says, uh, and let me actually pull up from the exact book, because it's, it's so, this is so weird. All right, so he says, 
The well-known and highly successful animated series The Land Before Time, produced by Steven Spielberg, provides what is arguably the clearest articulation of the hegemonic liberal multiculturalist ideology. Okay. The same message is repeated again and again. We are all different. Some of us are big. Some are small. Some know how to fight. Others know how to flee. But we should all learn to live with these differences, to perceive them as something which makes our lives richer. Recall the echo of this attitude in the recent reports on how the Al-Qaeda prisoners are treated at Guantanamo Bay. They're given food appropriate to their specific and cultural and religious needs, allowed to pray, etc., from and on the outside we appear different, but inside we are all the same, frightened individuals at a loss in the world needing the help of others. In one of the songs, the big bad dinosaurs sing about how those who are big can break all the rules, behave badly, squash those who are helpless and small. With the lyrics being, when you're big, you can push all the little ones around. They're looking up while you're looking down. Things are better when you're big. All the rules that the grown-ups made, they don't apply to you. The answer of the small oppressed ones in the following song is not to fight the big ones, but to understand that behind their bullying exterior, they are no different from us, secretly afraid with their share of problems. They have feelings just like we do. They have problems too. We think because they're big they don't, but they do. They're louder and they're stronger and they make a bigger fuss, but deep down inside I think they're kids like us. The obvious conclusion is therefore the praise of differences. It takes all sorts to make a world. Tall, short and tall sorts, large and small sorts, to fill this pretty planet with love and laughter, to make it a great, to make it great to live in tomorrow and the day after. With all types, without a doubt, dumb and wise types, every size types, to do all the things that need to be done to make our life fun. And uh, he does go on to say, the problem, of course, is how far do we go? It takes all sorts. Does that mean nice and brutal? Poor and rich, victims and torturers, the references to the dinosaur kingdom is especially ambiguous here, with its brutal character of animal species devouring each other. Is this also one of the things that need to be done to make our life fun? The very inner inconsistency of this vision of prelapsarian land before time thus bears witness to how the message of collaboration and differences is ideology at its purest. Maybe I need to give the show more credit. So maybe was this sorry was this the one that you said was from New York Post? No, this okay. is from uh, Welcome that is, to the Desert. That is way too deep to be yeah. New York Post. No, okay. this is not New York Post. This uh, is that Slovenian gotcha. philosopher. Which you know, uh, that's a pretty interesting take on it, right? Especially when you were quoting some of the lyrics regarding the uh, the bullies. Yeah, um, because you know, extrapolating on that a little bit, so much of not just American society, but ge geopolitical society. Mm -hmm. If you are stronger, and usually that means military might, you can get away with stuff. Yeah. Because people can't say no. I mean, yeah. And so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering, maybe this one's better than I remember it. If be, it caught the eye of a ph fucking philosopher. But we'll see. Um, we do know, though, what you're really here for with these Land Before Time movies. Don't say music. No. Dinosaurs? Dinosaur facts. <laughs> and since we're on the third movie, I'm doing three dinosaur facts for you. Oh, God. Does that mean the fourth will have four, the fifth will no. have five, the sixth will have six, and by 14 we'll be dead? No, because there's not enough stuff that I can justify in each movie <laughs> to... They don't introduce as many species, but this one was kind of fun to do. Um, and we're going to actually learn all about our three bully characters. I have a request. Yes. Do you think you could do it uh, in the accent of like a, a documentarian? Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. 
The audience demands it! Oh, God. Inside my head. My accents are not great, especially this morning, but, uh... Just channel your inner BBC, darling. <laughs> Today's episode of Tone Deaf is brought to you by Dinosaur Facts. <laughs> presented by the lovely Kay. The first is Hip, a Hypsilophodon. He's going to be the smallest in the gang, even when he grows up. These are currently thought to be basal ornithopods, though a 2017 paper puts them outside of the group as a sister group to Seropoda, the basal ornithischian branch uh, that branches into marginocephalia, paleosaurs and ceratopsians, and ornithopods, all of your other neo-ornithischians, bird-hip dinosaurs that are not thyreophorans, heterodontosaurids, think pegamastids, etc., they were once in Iguanodonti, but they were moved out in 1882, forming their own family. They were discovered in 1849 in the Wessex Formation. Paleontology being what it was, this specimen was split up between famous British paleontologist Gideon Mantell and naturalist James Scott Bowerbank. Eventually, both halves were reunited at the British Museum and were studied by Richard Owens, who believed them to be just a young Iguanodon. Then, in 1867, Thomas Henry Huxley was like, this is a whole ass different species. <laughs> and this was supported by a skull found in 1868 by Reverend William Fox in the same block of the formation that looked very different from Iguanodon. With this, Huxley was able to study more and in 1869 conclude that this skull and the skeleton were that were found were not a baby Iguanodon, but instead its own species, Hypsilophodon. This was helped by finding more of this animal in the block that the original fossils were found in. The creature was named for a genus of lizard that had similar teeps, teeth, excuse me, Hypsilophus, which is now a synonym for Iguanodon. So, ba Iguanodon. so basically Iguanodon and Hypsilophodon are the same damn lizard. They're not lizards. Or named for the same damn lizard. They're not lizards. They're still birds, <laughs> but they're named for the same damn lizard. Um, Hypsilophodon currently only has one species in its genus, Hypsilophodon foxy. There was a time... <laughs> Actually, it might be foxy eye. Yeah, foxy eye is probably more correct. There was a time when there was Hypsilophodon wylandii, but that is now a dryosaurid, or possibly Camptosaurus, because... Dinosaurs like to fuck shit up in taxonomy. It's not their fault, they're dead. <laughs> These were small dinosaurs, about 2.3 meters long, at the longest, and weighing at the most 44 pounds. They were bipedal, lightweight, had mobile tails, and also some surprisingly basal features for being early Cretaceous dinosaurs. Namely, they had five digits on each hand, and four on each foot. You don't see that in more derived dinosaurs. Even wilder, the fifth finger was opposable for grabbing. Fascinating. These guys had a beak and teeth, so the teeth on hip in the movie are going to be very inaccurate. They were considered the deer of the Mesozoic, being herbivores with quite a bit of proof of herd behavior, i.e. most of the specimens were probably achieved through a mass death of sorts, as well as parental care. <laughs> Next up, we have Mutt. The Mutaburrasaurus. This is an Australian dinosaur and is named after Mutaburra, a town in Queensland and where this dinosaur was, dis was discovered. This fellow was lucky, being discovered in the 1960s, less of a chance of being reconstructed like a big fucking lizard like Iguanodon was. 
They're pretty decent-sized ornithopods, being 28 feet long and weighing 3.1 short tons, and they were most likely unable to be quadrupedal due to them being basal compared to more derived iguanodontids. In fact, this guy used to be considered a proper iguanodontid, but was moved further back taxonomically, being a rhabdontomorph. Being less basal than Hypsilophodon, these guys had four fingers on each hand and four toes on long feet. The most characteristic thing about these guys is their navel, nasal muzzle. It is enlarged and has an upward bulge, but it is unclear as to whether this was for display or calling, since there isn't any fossilized nasal, nasal tissue to be found. These guys, like ceratopsians and pachycephalosaurs, were once thought to be omnivorous, but the dentition now appears to indicate a diet of cycads and other tough vegetation. Their dentition looks to be a case of convergent evolution with ceratopsians. This fella here is another single species genus, with Mutaburosaurus langdoni being the species. However, they were very successful, having been found pretty well distributed in Queensland and New South Wales. Last but not least, we have Nod, a Nodosaurus, meaning knobbed lizard. This would be the anchor dino for its whole family, Nodosauridae. Nodosauridae is the family of Ankylosaur order that is closer to Panoloposaurus than Ankylosaurus. Originally, that is, in 1998. This has kind of been changed because there are two Nodosaurids that aren't really easy to place on a cladogram. These are the armored dinos without clubs and contains Borapelta, the Nodosaur mummy that was found in Alberta and has the most complete set of armor as it would have, had, would have been in life. These dinos were damn tanks. Nodosaurus textilis is the type species and was one of the first North American armored dinos to be discovered. They're from Wyoming and were named by Othaniel Marsh of the Bone Wars in 1889. This species is also underrepresented in the fossil record because there just haven't been as many remains found. As far as we know, they were medium to large sized, four to six meters long and about 3.8 short tons, the osteoderms, the armor, was only on the back, so no belly protection. So if it was rolled over, it's dead. Because of how fragmentary the remains are, however, it is uncertain if this guy had spikes or not. Notosaurids had wicked shoulder spikes in some species. These guys are late Cretaceous dinosaurs from about 100 to 97 million years ago. All three of them are ornithischians, with Nod being a thyreophorum which is where your spike-tailed and armored boys come from. I won't go any further down the rabbit hole here, because I almost went into dinosaur cladistics land, and this episode would never have come out. Why, thank you. And I can show you the three dinosaurs for you, so that you know um, what they would have looked like. So I'll show you Notosaurus first. So Notosaurus is just kind of your basic... Okay. Yeah, he's, he's armored with a tipped tail, and he's got basically kind of looks like serrated spikes down his uh, his yeah. side where the top armor meets the soft underbelly. Yeah, it's a cool looking dinosaur. Yeah, they're they're pretty chill little dudes. Kind of uh, looks like a like a prehistoric armadillo, but if it was a dinosaur. Yeah, they're they're probably the least interesting of them, but also most I think, interesting. I think they because, look pretty cool. Like, like you don't you don't know what they uh, would have looked like, and then we've got uh, this fella here, Hypsilophodon, little dude, little bitty bite, little bitty baby, 
More like hipster Lofadon. Just hipster put a fedora Lofadon. on him. And a ascot. And then we have Mudaborosaurus, which is the wildest looking of them. There's his little the, nose horn. The flashy, fleshy sack you're talking about. Mm hmm. That they're not sure if it was a fleshy sack or if it was a bone structure. They're not 100% sure, but there's. He's got, a, he's got a nose growth. Yep, he's got a nose growth. So, do you have any questions before we go and watch the Thanksgiving dinosaur movie? So. That's not free birds. <laughs> um, which one of the three you talked about do you think would taste the best? Hmm. Hypsilophodon was a running dinosaur. So, they'd probably be a little bit gamier, but I like gamey meats, so I probably would eat Hypsilophodon. Mudaborosaurus would probably not... They'd probably be a little bit fattier. Um, yeah. Either of those two. I wouldn't want to try to take a crack at Notosaurus at all. So you're going to say no to taking a crack at Notosaurus? I'm going to say no to taking a crack at Notosaurus. First off, like, I, I've never had turtle, but I have a feeling that it would not taste as good. <laughs> and also, I don't know, the fact that it's so fragmentary, I don't know how successful that species was, because we don't know. And I would not want to eat an endangered animal. <laughs> I am not Charles Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> touche, Kay, touche. Yes. All right, no further questions. All right. Shall we fire up the electronic box and watch and watch a deep dive into the past of animation history, focusing on the avian and non-avian dinosaurs of yesteryear? Uh, avian dinosaurs are in the next movie. Oh, so specifically non-avian. Non-avians in this, yep. And a couple of other archosaurs. Jolly good. <laughs> also, just so that you know, there are velociraptors in this. <gasps> But this is Jurassic Park era Velociraptors, so they're going to be too big, scaly as hell. They're basically Deinonychus, but they, in the Land Before Time wiki, they're called Velociraptors, which bothers me. Well, well. Velociraptors were I the mean, size of a turkey, and I need to I see mean, more media with that. Well, you know. Like, I want, I want a Jurassic Park type movie with actual velociraptors as they would have been in life do you think compies compies see velociraptor as like them but stronger like i wish i was a velociraptor then nobody would fuck with me they would probably see velociraptors as death that's what i mean like like compies tell stories about velociraptors and they're like you better be good or velociraptor will get you remember we hide in the underbrush you don't want to be killed by a four-foot-long turkey. <laughs> Shall we? Let's go! Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah! Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu, and our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it.
Hey, we're Hannah and Eric O'Birding. We've been described as the combo of birder goals and relationship goals. We bring you this podcast by birders, for birders, of all skill levels and interests. We share our adventures, sometimes misadventures, and our opinions about birding topics. We love to go on adventures, meet new people, and watch birds. On this podcast, we highlight cool places, discuss neat birds, showcase awesome people, have a good time, and try to make the birding world a better place. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts every other Thursday, and learn more at www.gobirdingpodcast.com. And now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. So that wasn't terrible. That was not as bad as I was afraid it would be. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just uh, expectations dwindling and being Mm -hmm. surprised, especially going in here going, oh wow, this is going to be terrible. And then it was interesting in the first half with you reading that quote from that philosopher. Yeah. And being like, oh, maybe there's more depth to this than previously thought. And there were a couple moments that actually surprised me Mm -hmm. in the movie. Uh, And we will talk about those. Yes. I had, like, some feelings. And we talked about them off mic. But, uh, yeah, I, I liked this better than I did as a kid. And I think it's because of when I first saw this as a kid was when certain things were happening in my life, which is why I'm kind of like, thank you for, thank you, Jingle Jangle, for coming out so that (laughs) we don't have to do Journey Through the Mist because I'm going to be a fucking wreck with that one. Um, But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it more than I remember ever enjoying this one. <laughs> the ending, not so much, but everything else was better than I remembered it. I I feel like I have to uh, temper my praise because I don't feel like it was good. It was not good. But, <laughs> but there were a couple positive things about yes. it. Usually a lot of kids' media, they try to shoehorn in a moral... You know, mm-hmm. that that's, that feels, um, it doesn't feel genuine. It feels yeah. like it's there to meet a obligation that's mm-hmm. expected of something that's made for children, you know? Yeah. This one actually had a moment in it that I felt like was genuine and actually mm-hmm. had real world uh, applications for yeah. it, you know? You get, you get some dumb morals that it's always like, oh... Be nice, because you should be nice, because being nice is nice, and it's nice to be nice. Nice is neat. Nice is neat. Well, which is like, (laughs) sure, that's that's fine. That's Mm -hmm. a pretty safe moral. Yeah. But this one was a little bit deeper and had to do with child rearing, you know, and displaying of of aggression. And I kind of wish that that had been the main thrust of the whole movie instead of the... Because I feel like they that was an accidental moral because the real moral they spell out at the very end you're probably right and i feel like if they would have just stuck with the with more exploring of the parental rearing and what that can do to a kid and generational trauma cuz they hit on that really well they they do like it i feel like the more important moral takes a back seat mm-hmm. to the title moral mm-hmm. which you know like we stated they're trying to shoehorn in a 
Thanksgiving kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's kind. It's kind of vague. Be like, well, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. and We'll bitch about what needs to be bitched about. Yep. Shall we? Shall yes. A long time ago, in a galaxy that we're currently in, (laughs) we get a shot of uh, the galaxy, a galaxy, our galaxy, or is it a giant sunny side up space egg? It's really it's anyone's a baby guess. galaxy. Oh, it's a baby. Oh, or it could, could be, a baby, be a baby solar system because it could be the sun, you know, pulling that... everything in and then planets breaking off. And that's actually probably more accurate. That's a very good uh, hypothesis, right there. Good, good job, Kay. <laughs> but however, the narrator chimes in, saying something we haven't heard yet. Oh, and it's a different narrator this time as well. Anyways, the narrator mentions that three and a half billion years ago, or uh, was it 3,500 million years ago, mm-hmm. life first began developing on Earth. And thanks to God's guiding hand, <laughs> life began to change. And over millions of years in water, they got too pruney and decided to dry off <laughs> by climbing out of the water and settling on land. Allegedly. Those were some of the most beautiful moments artistically. They were really good because it starts with, you know, uh, single-celled organisms and then it shows some of like the ancient sea life and anemones and stuff like that. Mm. And then you see the, 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 the frog lizard for lack of you know amphibious yeah tiktolic you smart beautiful wonderful person (laughs) i love you they show tiktolic climbing out of the water to be like huh it's dry out here you know Mm -hmm. then uh they talk about uh evolving you know yeah and i i give them credit for not trying to be like this was a long time ago we're not gonna say when we're just gonna say long ago not millions of years or no they went Three and a half billion years ago. <laughs> Fuck you, cre- er, young Earth creationists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, suppo- the supposed adap- adaptations gave way to thousands of different types of creatures, the mightiest of which we call the dinosaur. And All we're... hail Conondor. <laughs> All hail Conondor. <laughs> and we're leaving out the, the uh, previous movies and just pretending like dinosaurs have always lived in the Great Valley. Because that's the way the narrator talks about it. They lived in the Great Valley where everything was lush and plentiful. And I mean, it would make sense, though, that the dinos- there were dinosaurs who lived there already who were granting asylum to other dinosaurs that were migrating. Because they knew that the Great Valley was there. How else would they know uh, other than instinctual migrations back and forth? You know... You make a fantastic point that I have never considered because in the first movie, when Littlefoot's asking his mom about the Great Valley, and he's like, well, how do you know it's there if you haven't ever seen it? And she's like, sometimes some things you know with your eyes. Oh, some things you see with your eyes, other things you see with your heart mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I chalk that up to being like, oh, well, we believe that it's there. We have to believe that mm-hmm. there's this dinosaur paradise that we're heading to. Otherwise, we will just given to despair and, mm-hmm. and doom and gloom but it never never dawned on my smooth brain that <laughs> littlefoot's mother had that migration instinct in her and mm-hmm. that's how she knew the landmarks you know fuck me all right <laughs> so remember later <laughs> yes <laughs> as he uh the narrator goes on to introduce our roster of baby heroes and their type 
All scientific-like, of course. <laughs> Who could forget such dry and scientific names like long neck, three horn, <laughs> spike tail, flyer, and swimmer? Such thought and knowledge went into these classifications. I mean, if you're a dinosaur, that's kind of how you would yeah, no, describe it. it. it, is. it, it uh, I'm giving the movies too much credit. <laughs> but I really, mean, it's... I mean, granted, it is for a younger audience, and if they were to rattle off scientific genuses for these dinosaurs. I mean, not everybody is you. <laughs> not every child who likes dinosaurs is as smart as you. There are a lot of kids who will re who will remember all of the names of the dinosaurs, but cannot tell you what happened in the book that they were supposed to read that night. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Kind of like naming all the Pokemon. Kids well, will have different, different hyperfixations. Mine That's happened to be dead birds <laughs> anyways our baby gang of heroes are playing with rocks because they don't have video games yet <laughs> and while they're playing with rocks the rocks roll and roll the rolling stones gather no moss <laughs> and baby steps the long neck chases after the rolling stone the rolling stone is stopped by a jerkosaurus who Please is allow me to introduce myself i'm sorry <laughs> the jerk the rolling stone is stopped by a jerkosaurus who is like Neener, 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 this is my rock now, and you can't have it. And the bully dinosaur has his bully buddies next to him, and they're all like, Ha 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 ha, we're villains. <laughs> Sarah, the three-horn, is like, My dad said that I'm the best and most special supreme of dinosaurs, so give me that rock before I supreme all over your face. <laughs> and the bullies are like, No, didn't you read the script? We're baddies. And they dodge Sarah's half-assed charge attempt. God gets mad with Sarah's failure to charge properly <laughs> and causes a volcanic eruption, which sends fireballs and landslides crashing into the Great Valley. <laughs> These dinosaurs really should have scouted the neighborhood better before settling in a valley that's right next to a fiery mountain of volcanic death. Oh well, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. <laughs> and in this year, 2020, it has been a year full of hindsight. Uh... The eruption stops, and the dinosaurs are like, Oh boy, glad that's over. Now all conflicts have been resolved. <laughs> Baby Steps comments to his grandparents that the eruption was scary and exciting, and he sure would like to go out to the great beyond and see what that was all about. But he's way too distracted by the pretty skylights of the aurora. Grandpa Big Steps is like, Don't you get into any trouble this movie, or so help me. <laughs> The next day, the family is at breakfast, eating plants and drinking water, when suddenly the waterfall stops and all the dinosaurs are like, well, shit, what happened to all the water? <laughs> Grandpa Big Steps tells Baby Steps to wait here and not get into any shenanigans while the grown-ups talk about their impending slow death due to dehydration. <laughs> the baby gang haven't a care in the world for the impending slow death, and continue with their childlike playing of games such as hide-and-seek. Baby Steps tries to notify his friends of their impending slow death via the lack of water, cas via the lack of water cascading down the thundering falls. But the doom and gloom gets interrupted by the bully trio of our show, who launch into a song about why they get to be assholes. They get to be assholes because they're big, and being big entitles you to do whatever the fuck you want. I don't think these clowns realize that by dino standards, 
Baby Steps should eventually grow up to be a fucking monster in size, <laughs> and he'll be able to stomp these bullies to death. <laughs> when the baby when the baby gang point this fact out to the bullies, the bullies are like, well, if we kill you, then you'll never grow up to be bigger than us. I love that whole thing with Hip. Why are you saying this? Your kind never get very big. Yeah. And, that, um, and then he, after they tell them, like, if, they'll never grow up to be bigger than us. And then uh, I'm like, holy fucking shit, Land Before Time. I mean, you're not wrong, but these guys are actively talking about how they need to murder the other dinosaurs so they never get big enough to bully them. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, man. Yep. I mean, that's... A type of bully that exists is that I'm going to kill your ass. Mm -hmm. The baby gang sneaks away while the bullies discuss their murder plans. And the bullies are left holding their raging murder dick. <laughs> we jump to the adult dinos acting like adults. As he, We jump to the adult dinos acting like adults and talking about how they need to ration water and pray to Raptor Jesus for the Thunder Falls <laughs> to give them water again. And if their dino prayers are unanswered, they may have to leave the Great Valley in search of a new home. This causes some discussion among the other adults who start pointing tails and horns at one another, accusing them and their kind of wasting water and not thinking of others. Bad role models, the whole lot of them. <laughs> We then see the baby gang playing in a pond and having a good old time. That is, until the bullies show up again. Briefly, but long enough to cause baby steps to splash and accidentally hit Sarah's dick of a father, who is like, <laughs> I got splashed and baby steps is wasting water. I'm not going to let my daughter play with your wasteful grandson anymore. <laughs> Sarah's father tries to lead her away from her friends, and Sarah is like, No! And then immediately buckles under pressure, and sad walks away with her dick, dick horn father. God, poor, poor Sarah with her dad, man. <laughs> uh. And the other babies get led away by their parents, and Baby Steps is sad. Grandpa Big Steps says that the adults are scared, and sometimes fear makes people act weird, which a good solid point there mm -hmm. it's one of those times it's like hey you know what what you said is true yes good job why isn't this more focused on with the moral instead of the shoehorned the great giving sarah's dad does a shitty job of explaining why baby steps is a bad influence and sarah is like i hate this fucking family and she <laughs> runs away Sarah's dad is like, ah, the youth of today. I feel like that's Sarah's life motto is just, I hate this fucking family. Because <laughs> in future movies, that is her motto pretty much. It's just, I hate this fucking I hate family. This fucking family. I never get McDonald's. You always say that we have leaves at home. <laughs> the next morning, Baby Steps is woken up by his grandparents who were like, let's drink some morning dew before the angry skyball dries up the morning dew. The grandparents give Baby Steps a tree star that has water in it, and Baby Steps tries to dive into the leaf <laughs> head first, you know, to drink. He then destroys the tree star, forcing it to crumple into a thousand pieces. His grandpa explains that the lack of water is making the leaves dry, and if the water doesn't return, then they will then water will get harder and harder to come by, and soon Fires will become more common in the Great Valley. 
and then they re- and then they remind Baby Steps of the many many escape paths in the Great Valley, cause. I guess they have fire drills. And it's the 90s, and I mean, that was when we had all of our fire safety videos and fire safety cartoons. and That's a good point. Yeah, so it, it, this is like the most 90s of the movies, Remember I feel. how we showed you how to get away. Remember the escape paths, yeah, little... Yeah, remember the escape Like, path. she was almost looking into the camera with that one. It's almost one of those, if a strange dinosaur tells you to come with them, ask what the passphrase is. Like, <laughs> do you remember those things, those PSAs? I, yeah, I Make still, sure you and your family I have I still a remember my passphrase, so I'm not saying it because someone might steal me, but I still remember my passphrase. Mm, they'd, have, they'd have to steal you away from me first, and I ain't <laughs> letting go of you. <laughs> the long necks wander, wander around from dry plant to dry plant, and the grandparents eventually find some green foods for Baby Steps, since he's growing and needs the very best green foods. Baby Steps is like, oh, okay then, and he eats it. But then he's all, I'm thirsty now. And the grandparents have to be like, well, we're not allowed to have water until later. But you're a child, so maybe Sarah's dickhorn father will be more <laughs> merciful to a child who's thirsty. And we all laugh and laugh. Because <laughs> Sarah's dad is not just a dickhorn. He's a triple dickhorn. <laughs> and he displays this with a song about how you have to be tough and hard to survive. <laughs> and he sings about, uh, and he sings this song while everyone is thirsty. It sounds like he, he convinces about half of the dinosaurs to his way of thinking, you know, being a jerk. And the other half are like, what a dick, and walk off. And, and, and when you're talking about the generational trauma, because he talks about how he's hard yeah. and tough because his dad was hard and tough. Mm, and so he's going to make Sarah hard and tough. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to be tough to survive. Yeah. And if you don't like that, well, tough. And that's literally a line in the song. It's literally a line. <laughs> he basically looks right into the camera and goes, if you don't like it, tough. And what's great, though, is just... Like I said, this is the most 90s of them because that song is, like, straight out of the 90s. Like, the guitar, all of it is just... there was guitar. Yeah, it's the only one that I've heard (laughs) so far in this rewatch that has that type of guitar riff. You know, it's one of the things, too, I'm sure it would have cost more money, and that's one of the reasons why they didn't do it. But I feel like so much of the singing in the two that we have seen is very phoned in. Yes. Um, you could have a little bit more, I don't know, credence to these shows if they had people who could sing, mm-hmm. sing, even mm-hmm. if they were hiring different people to sing and not the voice actors. Because if you're going to try and make it a musical, at least try to be good with the music parts. Yeah. Because so many of these feel like they are first drafts that were just like yep good enough send it through you know like they're, i don't, I mean, I don't they feel are like, pumping one out every year yeah i don't feel like that there was nearly enough attempt at trying to make good songs no there because wasn't you can, you can make i mean you know how many times have we said oh yeah well this musical's got a dumb story and this stuff's lame mm-hmm. but the music's good like yeah but they don't do that with this. No, all. they like, ever. <laughs> they kind of Spider-Man turn off the dark this one. Because <sighs> the music in that's bad and so's, mm-hmm. so's the story. And with it Land Before Time, music's not great. And stories are usually weak with a few exceptions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not like 
other Don Bluth musicals that, like American Tale or um, Anastasia, that are actually really good. These are not Don Bluth at all. He left that project because he's <laughs> off to go. He's probably do another suck my dick Disney moment. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's probably collecting a bit of royalties off of their release kind of thing since it Possibly, is his, yeah. his intellectual because isn't it his intellectual it's property? His and Judy Freudberg and Tony Geis who were the writers of the original. I guess it depends on what the contract is like because they yeah. might be tossing him a shiny nickel or he might be getting a, a decent cut. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Who knows? Anyways. Sarah calls over uh, calls over baby steps, and they bitch about the adults acting like children. This is after Sarah, Sarah's father's uh, I'm gonna be tough song. <laughs> and Sarah and Littlefoot decide that they need to solve the mystery of the missing water. And they sneak away while baby steps' grandparents are arguing with triple dickhead horn. <laughs> the baby gang meets up in seek, but Thag is missing. They follow the sound of the snores to where Thag is snoozing. Ducky and Petrie try to wake him up but he's dead to the world in dreamland, dreaming about all the sweet, sweet spike tail tail he's going to get as an adult. <laughs> and suffering from sleep apnea. Yeah. Spike, you have a severe medical condition. Yup, yup. Spike, you're not reaching run state. You're probably not actually getting restful. Spike, I'm kind of concerned that you're going to die. No, just fucking die. <laughs> Fag eventually wakes up from his dry, wet dream, and the baby gang fully assembles to set out on their thirsty adventure. The baby gang plays the excited running and screaming game to remind us that they're children. Yep, and that they don't have Nintendo. They run off screen. Tiktaalik isn't available on their latest smart rocks. Nice. I approve. Doing the latest dance on TikTok. <laughs> so they play the running screaming game and they run and scream off stage, off screen. But then they appear in the next scene and Petrie asks how they find water. And Baby Steps is like, we smell for it, of course. And the gang starts to sniff the ground like bloodhounds to sniff off into the night looking for water. Now, Instead of sending their flyer friend up into the air. Yes, I, I thought about that too. Like, it, you have one of your party who can fly. Mm -hmm. Even if he can't fly very far, very high, he could at least go above to, like, maybe see the surrounding area a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's better than being on the ground floor. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that made me laugh about that is, is that what animals do? Do they sniff out water? <laughs> Water does have a scent that animals can. I, they wouldn't be scenting it out that way. Yeah, I they'd think... more be smelling for fresh vegetation near the water. See, uh, I was thinking like they're trying to smell for like mud or something because you know it's kind of yeah. like when when it rains, you know, you can smell it in the air mm -hmm. a bit like that. But anyway, they they literally put their noses to the ground like bloodhounds and are yeah, and that's not how dinosaurs would do that. <laughs> And just for full transparency... Oh, gross! Yep, just for full transparency to our listeners, Stephen the Cat has come into the recording studio, jumped onto Kay's lap, and then pursued, proceeded to uh, glob a big old wet glob of drool down Kay's arm. That was so gross, Stephen. But look at this orange love ball laying in your lap, Kay. 
He absolutely adores you. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I, he does. I get more comfortable. Love me. Stop recording. You aren't even my cat, but love I still me. love you. <laughs> he loves you the most. Mm-hmm. The next morning, a sad, dehydrated adult stegosaurus sneaks over to the water, all careful-like, and gets a couple of early morning drinks before water cop Dickhorn chases him <laughs> off. Just being like, it's not your turn! Ah, it's not your turn! Ah! All cops are ceratopsians. <laughs> but you like or cerat- all ceratopsians. Oh, yeah. They're your I favorite. like ceratopsians. Ceratopsians are your favorite. Yeah. Anyways, after Water Cop God, Dickhorn Steven. chases off the Stegosaurus, who literally looks like he's about to die. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, I feel like the way that they animated him, he's all... Oh, my God. He's like all wrinkly. Oh, Jesus, Steven! How can your face secrete that much moisture, you disgusting little furball? Oh, but we love you. Yeah, we do. You're pretty damn cute. Kay's going to need an allergy pill when we're done. Yes, I am. All right. After the uh, Stegosaurus gets chased off scene, the scene changes to the babies, who are tired from spending all night sniffing for water. They're so thirsty that they don't notice that they're like right next to a secret pond full of fresh, delicious water. They hear, I don't remember if they hear splashing or something like that. Yeah, fish jumps out of the water. And that's when they're like, oh, what's that? All of our sniffing for water, and we couldn't realize that we're like 10 feet away from a source of water. Mm -hmm. The babies go to the pond and drink their fill, and they're like, yay, we're not dying of thirst anymore. The baby gang decides to try and tell the baby gang decide to try and tell the adults that they found more fresh water. But the bully dinos show up to be like, Yeah, this is our water, and you can't have any or tell anyone about it. Nyah. And the baby gang tells the bullies to go fuck themselves. <laughs> and they leave to tell the adults about the new water source. I mean, it's a small water source, and they'll run out of it pretty damn quickly, Mm -hmm. but they run off to notify the parental authorities anyway. The baby gang kind of gets lost uh, as they're getting away from the bullies, and they wander a bit and find their way into the Great Beyond. Mysterious Beyond. Oh, sorry. Mysterious Beyond. Great Beyond is where they'll all end up after a meteor impact. Very nice, Kay. Very nice. So they wander into the... Uh, uh, mysterious beyond and from the cliff they're on they see a big ass crater probably caused by one of the volcanic rocks but it looked like the crater would have been way too big for yeah that looked more like a meteorite crater yeah would have been a lot more catastrophic yeah that would have brought a pretty quick end to the entire franchise considering that it's right outside the great valley (laughs) yeah because there's like this crater and like a lake inside the crater. And then on the other side of the crater is the larger lake that feeds the uh, uh, waterfall. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Stephen. You disgusting orange boy. Okay. And from their cliff vantage point, they see that crater. Probably caused by one of the volcanic rocks. Probably not. From the earlier scene. But the crater has cut off the thundering falls from the greater lake above that feeds into the Great Valley. Some confusing terrain in these parts, I tell you what. (laughs) Anyways, the babies are like, We solved the mystery of the missing water, but we need to tell the adults so they can help. 
and as they try to head away from the great beyond, God is uh, uh, mysterious beyond. Mysterious well, I kept beyond. Calling it great beyond in my notes. As they try to head you away, wish the franchise would die. <laughs> <laughs> as they try to head away from the mysterious beyond, God is like, it's not that simple. <laughs> And a storm kicks up suddenly out of nowhere, and lightning strikes cause a fire. The babies run back to the adults to tell them about the fire, and Dickhorn is like, I'll lead the way to safety, cause I'm in charge! And the other dinosaurs are like, Um, you're going to be leading people to their deaths, that's the wrong way, you'll be going right into the fire if you go that way. Us long necks are like, tall? And we can see for miles and miles. We can see for miles and miles. We can see for miles and miles and miles and miles. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyways, Sarah goes off to die in a fire with her dickhead, dickhorn father, and the other dinos go the right way. And she's like, very much like, Dad, I, I, and then just. Okay, I'll come with... Like, you can tell that she's... Mm-hmm. She's not one to listen her, to her dad. Yeah, they, they tell her not to go, but she's like, I'm gonna go with my dad. And she's all reluctant and shit, because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to disappoint her angry father. She's wishing she could be like Spike and end up adopted by someone not her dad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the other dinos go the right way. The fire is chasing the dickhorns and gaining on them. That fire is a marathon runner, I swear. Sarah falls down a cliff and almost dies, but is rescued by her dad. But not for long, because the fire and impending death. Mm-hmm. On a slightly better side of things, the other adults are dying of smoke inhalation, and they tell the babies that they have to lead the way, because they can be under the smoke and stuff like that. Yeah. Baby Steps tries to lead them to safety, but the smoke is just too thick and they can't see. We then jump back to Sarah, who is screaming and jumping across a flaming area. Mm-hmm. Cool stunt, Sarah. The fire is out of control and toppling trees, blocking off the dickhorn's escape route. The long necks topple some other trees to try and create a barrier for the dickhorns so that they can cross the flaming area and rejoin the group that they should have stayed with in the first place. Through sheer force of will and a little help from the plot, they're able to make it to safety on an elevated cliff overlooking the Great Valley. The music is swelling and trying to be all calming, but Dickhorn Daddy is like, Gah! Everything is terrible! And it's all everyone else's fault! Ah! And just being kind of like, Now we have no food! Now we have no we're, food! We're we have fucked. no home! We're all gonna die! It's not my fault! Well, I mean, it's not his fault, no. but he definitely didn't make anything better. The dinos are all bitching about the environmental disaster and how they can never go back to the Great Valley. And the babies remember to tell the adults that they solved the mystery of the missing water. I do love the line, though, that Grandma has to, uh... Oh, yeah. The you still dad. have your daughter. Yeah, you have your daughter and you're still here to care for her. And that kind of is what breaks his armor a little bit, where he's like, oh, yeah. And he actually thanks Grandpa Longneck That's for true. saving his ass. and. It's sort of his first little bit of character development. Yeah, it's, it's, this is the, and I, I keep wanting to say his name because his name does get revealed later, the dad three horn, but it's, it's his 
character development movie is what this one is. Yeah, it really is because like you know because uh, I can't remember if it's the grandpa or the grandma that saves them from the fire. The grandpa. It is the grandpa. Grandpa mm-hmm. saves them from the fire by pushing a tree down, and then they rejoin the group, and then you know Daddy Threehorn is all upset about the environmental disaster and then he gets that reminder that but you're you still have your daughter your daughter's alive and you're here Mm -hmm. to help care for her kind of thing which is his little bit like hey snap out of it you got a kid to look after and it's like oh you're right you're right okay what do we know because now he's like rather than giving into the we're all fucked he's like shit what do i do to take care of my daughter now that we're facing this ecological disaster (laughs) Mm mm-hmm but yes, the babies remind remember to remind the adults that they solved the mystery of the missing water and how it's trapped in the mysterious beyond. See, I wrote it right correctly that time. <laughs> the adults are like, the great beyond? No, the mystery beyond. The mysterious beyond. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck me. That place is beyond here and great and like mysterious and full of sharp teeth. Ducky then gives us the dumbest LOL line of the movie. <laughs> sharp teeth? I don't like them. Their teeth are too sharp. God, Ducky. <laughs> Astute observation, Ducky. Yep, yep. Astute observation, indeed. Long necks, but their necks are long. Flyers, but they fly. It's like... Three horns, but they have three horns. It's like she gets <laughs> stupider every movie. It's... And does it, Ducky become the caboose of... of basically. Never end, of, ne- I almost said never-ending story. Of, oh, my, <laughs> 14 well, movies, it might as well be called The Land Before the Never-Ending Story. Like, she... Because she starts <laughs> off as the oldest one the land before the time the land before the time of the never-ending story <laughs> but yeah ducky just has kind of a little bit of a mental decline but just that line this sharp teeth i don't like them their teeth are too sharp and again she is the oldest one she was the first one to hatch i mean we never saw petrie hatch but we've got to assume he's younger than ducky because he especially when he's introduced he can't fly yeah if he was older he probably would have been able to fly yeah so you know, Ducky really should be the one taking charge. She's the oldest. Yep, yep. Anyways, the bully dinos are seen in the distance hatching a stupid bully <laughs> plan to get up the, to hatching. get to the water and keep it for themselves cuz they're dumb. Sarah is like, "Good. I hope they get eaten." And the music swells as Baby Steps is like, "We need to help them cuz it's good to be good." And Baby Steps then sings about how even though the bullies are bullies, they're still kids, like them. Baby Steps continues to sing and lead his friends into imminent danger, <laughs> all while practicing his convincing song. He's like a little Pied Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Steps then ends his song with, I'm going to help the bullies. You do what you want. And he sprints off. The others decide that if they die, they all die together. And they follow Baby Steps. <laughs> The scene changes to the baddies, and they're tra- and they're uh, traversing into the mysterious beyond. See, I corrected myself. It says Great Beyond right there, and I said Mysterious Beyond. Go me. After getting past a bone-riddled swamp, they find a tiny watering hole, and the lead bully is like, Ha ha! Water for me and no one else! Ha ha! And then he jumps into the pond and drinks, before realizing that he's in a sinkhole and that he's about to die. <laughs> A sinkhole of tar. Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't realize it was tar. I How just figured it was sediment How the fuck did he drink alone. any of that? Like, like, did they say it was tar? Yeah, he says, he's in the tar pit. You've got to hold still. I wonder if that was a mistake. It because must he drinks water. And yeah. He's like, he's like, fine, because he doesn't drink it and then gag. He drinks yeah. it and he's like, ah, water. And he's splashing around and then he's like, oh no. I'm unless stuck. I'm unless it was the layer of water that sometimes collects on it, but I mean, he gets a pretty good. Yeah, he he drinks it. I don't yeah. know if it's like a thin layer of tar on the bottom and then a lot of water, but I feel like that would still get contaminated and taste bad. Yeah. Anyways, we're thinking about this way harder than the creators did. <laughs> <laughs> but the lead bully hype or hip, lead hip. bully hip, is uh, concerned because he's about to die because his bully friends are useless. Luckily for Hip, though, the bully boss, the baby gang, hear his cries of fear, and they come to his rescue, pulling him out of the sinky hole. The adults come from around the corner, and Hip, the bully, hides behind the baby gang, because his daddy is with the other adults, and he knows that he'll get yelled at. And he does! Mm -hmm. This is where we actually get a really sweet moment. With Hip's dad yelling at him, and the dickhorn being less of a dickhorn, telling Hip's dad that he should be less of a dick and more kind to his child. And he knows this because he's a dick to his daughter, and he probably should be less of a dick to his daughter, because that's probably why she's such a bitch. <laughs> Sarah's father has a brief moment of character growth, realizing that they need to all work together and be kinder to one another, because it's better that way when they can all work together and help each other. This should have been the moral. It, it's better than what they shoehorn in at the end. Because I, I, I simplified it there, of course, in my notes because, hey, it's me. But uh, <laughs> a longer version of what happens is he, he is uh, the three-horned father tells uh, Hip's father that, you know, if all you do is yell at your son, then all you're teaching him is how to express anger to others kind of thing. Yeah. And, and he's and then he has that slow realization. He's like, I know this because I yell at my daughter too much because, and he says, often when I'm scared for her safety. Yeah. Kind of thing. And you get that. Because I've, I've been in that situation too. Like, you know, when you're worried that someone's in danger, you're very much, no, 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 no. Like you yell because yeah. you're trying to get their attention. Stop. Like, yeah. you know, I remember taking care of my sister when she was a baby. And like, if she went to go touch something, no, 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 no. Like, mm-hmm. You kind of yell because it's like, oh, you want to get their attention. And yeah. I've, I mean, we all have probably known people or experienced it firsthand growing up with somebody who mm -hmm. they're much more likely to scream at you when you are yep. doing something rather than like calmly explain. Yeah. Um, I've had friends and I've had relatives who it's like, uh, <laughs> that's their number one thing is they go from zero to put that fucking thing down. Yeah. Yeah. Right away. It's it's definitely one of those that is one of the most identifiable scenes. That is one of the best scenes. I think that when I was a kid I was a little bit too close to it and now as an adult I'm like, no, that's a that's a good scene. Yeah, it is a good scene. It's mm -hmm. it's it's my favorite scene of the show. Yeah. Is what I would say. And uh, the good moral moment is cut short by Raptors! Sent by Raptor Satan to eat our heroes and their parents. The adults fight off the Raptors while the babies try to escape. But due to a landslide, the adults get knocked unconscious and are surely doomed! Except for Hip's father. Except for Hip. Uh, Hip's dad tells the babies to run while he distracts the Raptors. This gives enough time for Hip to have some character growth and help his dad with distracting the sharp teeth. 
And what's a nice thing is that they show the thing that Hypsilophodon was really good at, which is running. Running and being agile, because they were agile little feckers. So would they they'd be classified like an ostrich-type dinosaur? No. They're... Oh, they're because the ostrich mimics are going to be theropods. These guys are still ornithopod. Oh. Well, ornithopod adjacent. Um, so it's like they're nimble. Like So they, they would walk on all four, but they could get up to... Because, yeah, these guys, I th- think, if I remember right from my notes, they could walk on all fours. Um, like They probably but... walked on all fours when they were just kind of meandering, but then if they had to run, they would get up to Yeah, because and... they, were, they were mostly bipedal, very quick. That tail was a rudder so that they could dodge in and out and keep from getting themselves eaten thanks okay you're welcome the babies decide oh, actually i will say a scene in here that i did like was that the bullies the other two bullies were like your dad is dumb like mm-hmm. look at that idiot putting himself in danger and then hip is like my dad is not dumb and then he's like i'm gonna go help him and so yeah you get a character growth from him as well which yeah. is which is cool to see the babies decide to stick to an old tactic, but a tried-and-true tactic of tipping large rocks onto sharp teeth. It's worked well in the previous two movies. It mm-hmm. must work well in this one. Spoiler! It does barely anything. The babies can't do it by themselves, and they're able to get the bullies to aid in pushing the boulder onto the raptors. This doesn't work, and the raptors shrug off the multi-ton boulder... Like, it lands on them, and then it, like, breaks into a bunch of pieces, and they just come out from under the rubble, and it's like, um, excuse me, you should no. be a, you should be a pancakeosaurus by now, like, <laughs> they should have to scrape you off the bottom of that rubble. Mm-hmm. You should be a little more leaky. <laughs> I would refer you to the first lab before Ty, when I said a busted sack of blood and bones, of meat and bones. <laughs> oh, God. Ah, it's, true. it's a boulder. Rocks yeah. are heavy. <laughs> yeah, no, they. And I mean, they're the raptors are going to be closer to birds, so yeah, they're, they're just not going to be. They're not going to be nearly as sturdy as a rex. Mm-mm. So we'll just say that. Anyways, but pushing of the boulder apparently freed up a little trickle of water, which then becomes a rush, and the water explodes out from behind the rocks and flows into the river and down the thundering falls, which returns life to the great valley and puts out the fires that were raging there. I love when the raptors are in the trench watching the adults climbing up because the adults are all, okay, we got to get out of here. And they're they're just like, why are they running? Uh, One thing that made me laugh, though, is when they're in that trench, and they see the one, and they're like, run! And then it shows the adults, and they're just slowly meandering because yeah. they're huge and they can't run. <laughs> yeah. I just love that. Just, run as fast as you can, but we weigh multiple dozens of tons, and we can't move too fast. We're the largest living land creatures. We're the largest land creatures that have ever lived. Yeah. But meander more quickly. God. The bullies and the baby gang patch things up and seem to become friends. The narrator is like, But not all was well. The fire destroyed much of their green food. But instead of giving in to despair, the dinos broke into search parties to look for more green food. And through teamwork, the area... Something got fucked up there. It would not be 
a Warren recounting without at least one completely illegible sentence due to fat fingering and auto-correcting on part of the word program. Expression. So what I think I attempted to write here is that through teamwork, they are able to ensure that everyone has food. The bullies kind of have an odd moment as they are trying to be good by like saying, hey, we found food, but being good makes them unsure. So then they have to be aggressively good because not sharing is for scaredy eggs. Because it's like the uh, hip, I keep wanting to call him hype, Mm -hmm. but hip is, he's like, we found food kind of thing. And they're like, wait, are we being good? And he's like, yeah, we're being good. Because not sharing is bad. We don't want to be bad, right? <laughs> and it's just, it's kind of this awkward. It's so awkward. It's this awkward character growth step in the right direction, but feels kind of out of place. It's, it's kind of funny. But uh, yes, the narrator continues narrating the importance of sharing and giving to ensure that everyone has enough to eat. The music swells, and the narrator continues saying that in the years to come, The story of scarcity would be told again and again as a time where all dinosaurs from all walks of life, except Sharp Teeth, because fuck those murderous (laughs) monsters, came together and gave and shared. And this was to be known as the time of the great giving. Music swells, zoom out, roll credits. (laughs) Your sister was so great when he was ramping up to that. She was, no, no, no. The end. Until movie four. Mm-hmm. Which we're going to wait on. Yes, yes. We are the uh, the condors will not peck out our eyes uh, because they know not to get in the way of me and Jingle Jangle. We will we will be doing our Land Before Time gauntlet in parts yes this concludes part one mm-hmm. thank you raptor jesus thank you raptor jesus and conandor and i guess conandor by proxy <laughs> but yeah it was better than i remembered it it was i i liked this one more than the second one yeah even though i like chomper because mm-hmm. you know I, t- I tend to like the predator dinosaurs chomper honestly his better movie is fifth i was gonna ask when chomper comes back. yeah the fifth movie which is, like, looking back, one of my favorites just because they do some world building in it that I really enjoyed. Because um, I'm kind of sick of lumbering, scary, sharp teeth. I, I'm sick of having theropods being the dumb brutes all the time because it, compared to your herbivore dinosaurs, they would have been a little bit more intelligent. And, you know, your smartest dinosaurs are theropods. Looking at you, ravens. (laughs) I have a soft spot for theropods. You do have a soft spot for theropods. They lead to the best birds. Because they are birds. But, um, yeah. Or birds are theropods. Anyway, I was surprised with how much I liked it this time around. Like, I guess like is strong. But in terms of Land Before Time sequels... I liked it more. <laughs> I, I liked this one more because of the secondary moral. Yeah, the not, secondary moral saves this you movie. Know, and which, which, you know, I'm not a parent, but mm-hmm. I've seen enough children, I've seen enough children being raised that, mm-hmm. you know, 
compassion is important to teach to children because then they learn to have compassion for others. You Mm -hmm. know, we've all known those kids growing up that had a parent that just was an asshole to them, and that kid is an asshole to everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, There are exceptions, like you, who is a kind, sweet, loving person, but did have an asshole parent. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but yeah. Not not Mama K. Mama K is a saint. Mama K is a sweetie. Uh, He who shall not be named. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, yeah, this... I don't know. This one, like I said, I have mixed feelings about it. I like it more than the other ones, but it also might just be my perception is altered because we've been watching, you know, we had the first Land Before Time, which which is, which is just, even though it's inaccurate by today's standards and all that stuff, it's it still, still holds it's up. It's still top tier for me mm-hmm. because just partly nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, second one is a steep departure from that that tier of awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the third one kind of creeps up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just have to see where it goes from here. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But next week we get a break. We get to see Jingle Jangle. I am so excited. I am excited for I that. Am, I am not going to prepare anything beforehand because I don't want any spoilers. And I'm worried that anything I find will tell me. I, I'm going into this one completely blind, other than that I know that uh, Keegan-Michael Key is in it, and uh, Anika Noni-Rose, who was Tiana, is in it. That's all that I know, because I can't remember the cast list right now, other than it's fucking amazing, and I'm not going to look up the cast list, because I don't want to be spoiled. Kay is excited because it's black. It, it, ah, I'm so excited! I finally get a whimsical black Christmas movie! I don't care if it's cheesy! We deserve <laughs> cheesy this year! Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, dear God, it's the first time I've been excited for a Christmas movie. But yeah, I'm so excited. Do you have anything you'd like to say in closing, Kay? Um... If anyone spoils Jingle Jangle for me, I'm going to rip their throats out. I second that, and I will lie to the cops and help hide the body. Exactly. Um, so thank you guys so much for... Nobody, no crime. Eh, eh, eh. Nobody, no crime. Eh, eh, eh. God. Uh, Small Town Murder's great. I think we finished the latest one. Um, <laughs> anyway... Yeah, I thank you guys so much for listening and joining us on the first part of this Land Before Time gauntlet. The fir- um, would you say it's the first leg of our Land Before Time journey? Yes, it is the first <laughs> leg of our Land Before Time journey to the mediocre valley. To the great beyond. <laughs> to the mysterious beyond. Well, and then we'll go beyond the mysterious beyond. Wait. Is that, oh God, that's a thing, right? Beyond the Mysterious Beyond. That's a song. Jesus Christ. What's the point of... From the weirdest movie in the series. Uh, All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining (laughs) us this week. If you would like to reach out to Kay and I, you can do so on our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our social medias, our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own not safe for work channel please feel free to drop in say hi talk about musical theater share pictures of your pets or just shoot the shit and if you want to go above and beyond you can donate to our patreon which is tone deaf musical 
We have different tiers there if you want to show your support. If you want to help us out without spending a dime, you can do so by leaving us a review on wherever you get your podcasts. Whether iTunes, Podchaser, CastBox, Overcast, uh, Stitcher. All those good places. All those places. And if you... And if you leave a review, Kay will sing it on the show. Mm-hmm. And if you mention our wonderful, mostly silent third co-host, Latte, she gets a cookie. Yes. Not Nothing for Steven, though. You can leave a shout-out for Steven, but uh, he drools on Kay and gives her yeah, way too many I've got, fives. Yeah, I've got some pretty gnarly ones right now. We're going to have to uh, take care of them. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. They're bright red, man. Ugh, freaking cat. All right. Well. So. That's been enough for this week. Yes. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Death.